Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome to The Family Room. This is Mari. I'm here with my co-hosts, Craig and John. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. So good to be here with you, fellow sinners, um, because <laughs> as we get started this morning, we're going to be talking about a topic that I know I struggle with sometimes. I don't know about you guys. Um, the, the topic of forgiveness. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I realized that for myself, I'm actually pretty good at forgiving people who've done something to me. But watch out if you've done something to somebody in my family. I realize mm. I struggle with forgiving people who have done something to somebody who I love. What about you guys? What's your what's your take on forgiveness? I will tell you, I'm quick to forgive in a conversation. I realize this has got to get fixed, mm. and I will be quick to forgive. But my memory... It's too good. Uh, and so like, I forgave that. Why am I still thinking about it? Uh, so the forgive, forget thing. Yeah, I, I don't do the forget part well. In yeah. fact, I, as we get into some of the questions with our guests, I, I would like to bring that up. <laughs> You've already got your pen ready uh, to take like notes. It. Yeah, really. <laughs> That's great. How about you, Craig? What, what's what, what's your now, thought on forgiveness? I'm pretty similar. I'm very trusting, number one, and I'm very forgiving. Um, but what I do find is, depending on the person and their personality, I can be a big avoider. Mm-hmm. So I'll they'll, they'll walk in a room and, and I'll kind of go the other way or kind of the customary, oh, hey, how are you? And then just drift away from them. <laughs> so uh, my guess is there's probably a little unforgiveness left there as well. Uh, so it kind of taints the relationship a little bit. Could, yeah. Quite a bit. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's not just forgiveness. I mean, I do that with other people as well. But when there is one of those offenses, it's like... Yeah, I'll I'll stay away from you for a while. Yeah, that's interesting. So I think we're all three very thankful that we have got the guest we have with us today who's going to take us through this topic of forgiveness. And as we talked about it, we realized that it was such a huge topic that we're actually going to spend two episodes with this guest. So if you're listening um, to this episode one, please tune in again next week for episode two. Or if you're listening on podcast, scroll to the next podcast and listen to episode two as well. So Craig, I know this gentleman is a close friend of yours. So would you introduce us all to Tom? Yeah, absolutely. Funny enough, we have Tom McCabe in the studio, and I've been trying to get Tom on our show for probably a few months now. And I found it ironic today, um, as I know we're taping, so you're going to hear this at different points in time, uh, listeners, but it's actually Holy Week. Yeah. And to think we're doing a show on forgiveness during Holy Week, I Mm -hmm. thought was pretty ironic, to say the least. So I want to thank Tom for his prayerfulness to bring us to this point and lead us where God wanted us to go versus where I wanted us to go. But yeah, we have got Tom McCabe on our show today, who, yes, is a dear friend of mine, more specifically for our listeners, because you like to have experts on our show. He's an educator, he's a writer, he's a consultant, and he does frequent conferences as a speaker with 26 years of experience serving the diocesan and parish structures in the areas of evangelization, catechesis, and strategic planning. Tom has worked extensively with the Catholic Church at many different levels, from the parish level to Catholic schools to the diocese. He's also co-author of a book called Living a Joy-Filled Marriage, a virtue-based life skills program, and the designer of a practical resource called the Marriage Action Plan. 
Uh, he's a f- uh, frequent speaker on family matters and evangelization. He knows a little bit about families. He's been married for a long time to Rosemary. He's got six children. And if I have it correctly, three new grandchildren that I think were all born with almost in this last year or so. Tom McCabe, welcome to our show. Hey, Craig, thanks so much. It is a joy to be with all of you. I tell you, I I love this topic and I uh, love talking about the faith. And you are right. We had three bambinos or bambinis within 30 days of, of one another. So last summer, which was just an incredible delight. But you'll probably hear a little bit more about that later on. So it's great to be here. What a blessing. Before we dive headlong into the uh, conversation, let's uh, let's start our time together with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son and the great forgiveness that you planned from the, the day that Adam and Eve fell. You knew that there was forgiveness, and you had a plan. And your Son would come and, and make the ultimate sacrifice. And from that, we've learned so much, and we've been challenged with so many things in the prayer that he taught us. And so as we spend this time together, speaking of forgiveness, open our minds and our hearts that we might be totally overcome by the great forgiveness that you shared, that you bring, and that it might affect our conversations so that everything that we think, do, and say as part of this time together will give glory to you, echo your mercy, and remind us of your forgiveness. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, John. So, Tom, um, we got to hear a bit about you from Craig's introduction, but we'd love to hear just more about you, yourself. Oftentimes, our listeners love to hear your own faith journey, uh, a little bit about what you'd like to share with them, and what got you into this whole topic of forgiveness and work on forgiveness. Wow, Mari, uh, where do I begin? Um, We'll just start about uh, this, that I grew up in Denver, wonderful town that I, I love to be from and love to visit. Uh, it came a day when I decided, listen, I really want to start studying the faith. And uh, so uh, you may have heard this guy, Scott Hahn. He came to <laughs> Denver uh, to speak. Uh, this was in like 1990. Uh, my wife and I went and heard him speak, and I went up and talked to him and said, Hey, Scott, I'm going to a Baptist seminary. Uh, I'm studying Scripture, uh, even though I'm Catholic. And I was explaining to him the challenges, and he said, listen, if you stay there and remain Catholic, I think it's going to be a miracle. It's not that there's bad things, but it, you know, they're coming from a certain perspective. Why don't you come study under me? Well, that's all he needed to say. <laughs> I, wow. I got on my, within a few short months, my wife and I were out in Steubenville, which is great. It was a fantastic experience. After we finished uh, graduate school, went back to Denver, uh, worked at a parish out there, and then worked for the uh, Archdiocese for Cardinal Stafford and then Archbishop Chaput for a few years. Uh, then I, I wanted to get into trench work again. I'm, a, I'm not an administrator. I'm a trench guy. Get me with the people and that sort of thing. So I went and worked at a parish called St. Francis Cabrini, a wonderful parish, but it's actually right down the street from a high school called Columbine. Mm. Do you guys remember the Columbine? Mm, yeah, we do. Yeah. Sure do. Mm. I was at this parish uh, working as the director of marriage and family, and um, I got a phone call uh, from a student who was in the high school and said, while it was happening. Mm. And that's a whole other uh, episode, just uh, if you ever want to hear about the entire story. But within probably five minutes, myself and the youth minister were out at the school trying to get as close as we could. And it was just an, it was, it was an incredibly traumatic experience. Mm. We ended up burying four of our teens from our youth group. Mm. And um, that event still brings me to tears. Um, fundamentally changed the way in which I did ministry. Before that, I was big on catechesis, teaching the faith, getting it across. 
I don't want to say I had a baseball bat in my hand, but, you know, I just, I love the faith, and I'm, you know, if God is my witness, you're going to learn it. You're a little Paul-like <laughs> or Saul-like. <laughs> right, and um, that experience fundamentally moved me away from the catechesis to the human person. So it's really from the human person to the person of Jesus Christ. We actually, our whole parish changed. We, um, uh, the, the pastors moved out of the rectory. We turned the rectory into a counseling center, a place of healing, and we had counselors there all the time. I did a lot of prayer healing, as well as teaching the faith and all of that. But that really put me on a trajectory to help people get unstuck. Mm-hmm. I love walking with people. So whether I'm teaching the theology of the body, whether it's marriage and family, people would typically come up and say, hey, Tom, that's really nice, but here's where I am. Here's where I'm stuck. How mm-hmm. can you help me? So uh, that's really been kind of a focus of my, my journey over the last 30 years. I started. I gave two talks, oh, maybe three years ago at a, the Theology of the Body inter, uh, National Conference. It was, they were online, and at the end of it, it was, I was recording my third talk, and I just said, hey, if anybody's interested, I think I'm a, I might want to do a course on this. And I just made up a, a, an email in the moment and said, if you're interested, email me at forgivenessisfreedomforyou at gmail.com. And I stopped the recording. <laughs> I went and grabbed the email and then sent the recording off to the TOB Institute. And I got all kinds of comments from people from all over the world mm. that said, I, if you're going to do a course on forgiveness, I'd like to, to do that. Um, I can speak on a number of topics, Mari, but whenever I speak on forgiveness, typically I'll have a line of people waiting to talk to me because we read scripture all over and it says, like in Matthew 6, it says, you know, unless we forgive, God won't forgive us. It's Mm -hmm. not that he won't, it's that he can't because we're holding on to it. Matthew 18, it says, you know, you must forgive 70 times seven Mm -hmm. times. Luke talks about uh, God's love and mercy that, you know, do good to those who, who persecute you. Pray for those, right, who, who persecute you. And the people were, are like me were very stressed out, like, okay, I hear all of this in Scripture, but how do I do it? There's yeah. no manual. I, yeah. I, I want to forgive, but as, as you guys said, I, I can't forget it or something, you know, or I, I forgive somebody, but don't put me in the same room, <laughs> let alone put me in heaven with that person. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, uh, and so I started down this journey helping people who are stuck in this area of forgiveness. And um, it has just been a tremendous journey, a tremendous blessing over the last, uh, let's say, three years that I've really begun to do this work in particular. So that's kind of it, kind of the Reader's Digest version of how I got to where I am today. Some things I didn't know about, Tom. So, you know, Tom, as long as I've known you, I didn't know about Columbine. So, um, you know, God using tragedy to bring about his good again. But I also found it interesting when we talk about forgiveness, how, as you said, you know, Scripture, it's a conditioned prayer in the Our Father. You know, Father, forgive me as I am willing to forgive other people. So I do think this idea of forgiveness is huge. And quite honestly, whether it's forgiving other people or forgiving us, you know, forgiving ourselves. I know um, some people have a hard time forgiving themselves, thus they get stuck in the rut. But one thing you mentioned before there's resentment and there's forgiveness. You know, I've always separated the two of them. But, you know, so many times people say, I forgive, but I don't resent or whatever it is. But yet, I think you seem to think that they're kind of tied together. Um, you know, we're, we we have resentments. There's these little things that get under our skin or whatever. It, why do you say that? Why do you say that there's that resentment that still kind of lingers? Yeah, I mean, 
forgiveness is to in a sense, ultimately let go of that debt, right? Uh, in, in that sense, on a on a kind of a basic, maybe natural level, maybe not in a Catholic or Christian perspective, we think of forgiveness as just letting go of it. And that's what we often think of forgiveness. I'm just letting go. I'm just going to get over it. I'm going to move on. Whereas forgiveness is totally different, especially from a Catholic perspective, is is much broader than just, I mean, it is letting go of the resentment. It's letting go of the grudge uh, to the point of actually willing the good of the other person. Uh, so yeah, it's it, it's it's very distinct. It's 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 quite different than just uh, you know letting go uh, of something, letting go of the bitterness. Um, and if you guys are okay, I'd love to just launch in if you're cool with just maybe giving a definition of what forgiveness is That'd be great. versus what what um, and what it's not. Um, because I think it's, it's sometimes hard, Craig, to get our wrap our minds around what what this forgiveness really really entails. And I think sometimes it's easier to look at maybe what forgiveness is not, okay, or maybe even look at its its opposite. For example, um, I remember when I was a child, I was, um, I don't know, whatever it was, my, my sister had said something. I remember running to my mom, and I was saying, she lies, she lies, mom. <laughs> and, you know, and if my mom asked me, what is truth? What do you mean? I would like, I don't know what truth is, but whatever it is, she's not saying it, right? Like, I knew what the opposite was. It's almost like forgiveness. Sometimes it's easier to look at it when we start identifying what forgiveness is not. And I would say this, forgiveness is is not being a doormat. It's not being uh, to, to people who are going to use you and, and abuse you. It's not just saying, hey, it's okay. You know, no, no don't worry. I'll get over it. It's okay. Because we might think we forgive, but as you all were stating at the beginning, it, it lingers. It, we're holding on to something much mm-hmm. deeper than that. And it, so it, it doesn't mean that you can't hold somebody accountable. And I think this is very interesting when I find people who are going through the course. Sometimes they can't state the grievance because they think they can't hold somebody accountable, or it's not the kind. It's not the nice thing to do if I, if I blame somebody for hurting me. Where, in fact, that's a very important part of the entire process, okay? Mm -hmm. What it does mean is you free yourself of the mental and, I'd say, emotional neurosis, you know, uh, that comes from holding on to that resentment. So, really, uh, forgiveness is a freedom. It's it's joy. It's taking control of how something is going to affect you. It's it's deliberately choosing, willing to let go of a of a grudge, but also uh, seeking the good of the other person. So, I mean, I'd say the, the basic difference between unforgiveness and forgiveness is this, is either feeling loss or feeling loved. I want to make it that simple. It's either feeling this loss and holding on to it or feeling loved and holding on to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let, let me define unforgiveness for you guys just for a moment. Okay, before we define what forgiveness is, I would say unforgiveness is really like a, a negative, willful state. Okay, so it's very willful. When an offended person holds a grudge or the resentment that we're talking about, and so they, they, they harbor these feelings of hostility or anger or animosity toward the per- person that offended them, which ultimately results in, I'd say, sadness and ultimately alienation from not only that person but from other people. I mean, it's, it's really like like drinking Pepto-Bismol, right, um, and, and expecting to get relief if you're, you know, if you're constipated. I think it's sort of like it's, it's going to do the opposite effect, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. It's like drinking a poison and expecting somebody else to die, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah. That's what we often do, you know. Um, so let's dissect just for a moment uh, what forgiveness is, okay? Um, and I like to distinguish it between two things because I think it's important. With the people that, that, that I talk to all the time and pray with and work through this, uh, there's two different levels, which is what you guys are talking about, this resentment and maybe this idea of how we have forgiven somebody. The first degree of forgiveness that I talk about is I call it incomplete or partial forgiveness. Um, we think this is full forgiveness, but it's re- really partial. It's We stop doing something. So it's a deliberate choice not to hold a grudge, right? It's, it's, it's a deliberate choice not to harbor anger or hostility uh, towards somebody. And I think this is good. I mean, this is good advice, right? Mm-hmm. So it's characterized by not allowing these emotions to control you, okay? It's, it's, it's characterized by not holding somebody else endlessly responsible for your own emotional well-being, or it's not by constantly focusing on the past, okay, as the reason for your current distress. And I would say modern psychology says that it entails and necessitates that you, you take control of the situation. This is all good. It's just let go of the bitterness. Don't hold on to it. Guys, this is really, really good advice. The problem is it's not complete, okay? Mm-hmm. It's what I call it's not, a, it's not a total freedom. It's like, it's like uh, resetting your arm or, or, or wrapping your arm after it's broken but not resetting it. Okay. Imagine if you didn't reset your arm. It's like pulling an arrow out of your heart that gets shot in there, but, but you leave a piece of it in your heart. So Mm -hmm. here, if there's one thing I want to get across, it's probably this piece here. If you can listen up, like this is what complete forgiveness is. There's a wonderful, um, um, doctor. He's a, he's a teacher at the university of Wisconsin. His name is Dr. Robert Enright. I'm a big fan. When you get into this, you become a groupie of different people, interesting (laughs) things. He's, he's a devout Catholic. Um, and he has an institute there on forgiveness, and he's doing a lot of studies. Uh, I'm going to kind of paraphrase his definition and kind of add to it, but really here's, here's what the definition of what we'd say complete forgiveness, or we could argue as Catholics. It's actually a willingness to abandon one's right to resentment, mm-hmm. one's right to negative judgment, and even indifferent behavior, like what this, um, you, know, it's like, you know, I don't care. I just don't want to see the person again. But, but it's abandoning That's even me. that. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> toward one who unjustly injured us. Or even maybe they injured somebody else. I'm like you, Mari. Somebody messes with my kids. Whoa, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So it is a willingness to abandon all of that while also, get this, fostering the undeserved qualities of love, such as compassion generosity and seeking the good of the other person okay mm-hmm. so so it, it, it resides at, in the act of the will it's not a feeling a feeling is secondary it resides in the will it's a choice okay to let go of these things and also foster the undeserved quality of love so it really begins with truth it's fueled by love and it ends in freedom not only freedom for yourself, but please God, freedom for the person who actually offended you. And as Catholics, we say, wow, I can't do that on my own. And that's when Jesus is right, but through 
Christ. Through me, you can do all things. That's yeah. why we need grace. That is incredible. Okay, so we are all writing nonstop here, yeah. trying to capture it all. You know, one of the things that, as you were talking, it made me think of. I just went to reconciliation a couple of weeks ago, and and the the pre. I'm going to be very vulnerable. The priest said, you know, it sounds like you're dealing with some anger and some hurt. You know, we know anger is a secondary emotion. There's something else underneath it. He said, anger and hurt, and he said, he said, I want you to ponder Jesus's words, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." And it goes right to the heart, Tom, of what you're talking about, because Jesus on the cross, you know, right there had every reason to pull, bring down power from heaven, to be angry, to be full of righteousness. And he was humble and he gave up his right to hold a grudge against these people. And he said, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And part of that you know, it, it, one of the things that helped me was to look at the person who I felt hurt me and realized they didn't know what they were doing. They had no idea what they were doing. And just that truth in the moment really allowed me to start opening my heart for, as you said, this more complete forgiveness and this love. You know, Mari, you said a couple of really just amazing things there. One of them in particular, as you said, you know, Jesus gave up his right. And uh, when we feel like something's uh, been wronged us, there is a sense of deep justice within each one of us. It's, it's written on our hearts. Mm -hmm. You see, you and I are created in dignity and something, even if they don't believe in God, every one of us has this deep desire for justice. Mm -hmm. What forgiveness does is says, I have a right to exact, exact justice in this situation, but instead of requiring the justice that I am deserved, I am going to give you the undeserved quality. And that's what we see on the cross. That which is that is the scandal of the gospel right there. The mm -hmm. scandal that he would God would have the audacity to forgive other people. And he wants us to do the same. Oh my goodness. And yet that is what breaks every one of our hearts um, and softens it is God's merciful heart toward us. Yeah. So Tom there as I listen to all this, there's all these pieces uh, floating around. And in the spirit of the family room, I, I'm getting really focused on like the individual aspect of this. But you commented that forgiveness is a cancer for family life. So help us move from where we are, where all these individual things are going on to the impact in the family. Yeah, John, it really, really is. I mean, uh, Pope Francis says that the family is the gymnasium. For forgiveness. Mm. <laughs> Great line. <laughs> the family is the gymnasium forgiveness. Uh, and I'll unpack that in a moment. But I talk about forgiveness being a cancer to family life. What is cancer, right? I mean, cancer is a malignant and deadly growth, or it's a tumor resulting from a division of, of abnormal cells that is often hard to contain, right? And it can result in detriment to the body and even detriment to, to life itself. Well, if we apply that cancer analogy to unforgiveness, then unforgiveness is a malignant, invasive, deadly growth mm. within the family caused by an embittered resentment toward another person or even maybe toward ourselves that's hard to contain, mm -hmm. but it results in a detriment to the person and leaves us shattered, isolated. Okay. Now, what makes unforgiving, uh, unforgiveness so cancerous is that it can spread, and that's yeah. the dangerous part, not only to the individual that cannot forgive, 
um, and it, it, it spreads psychologically, uh, spiritually, even emotionally, and certainly physiologically, which we don't realize, but it spreads to the whole family, John. Mm. We don't realize that our family, our children, are influenced by our resentment. Heck, I mean, we, uh, we're, we're subtly influenced by each other. Yeah. Craig might say something, but it's probably me. I might say something about somebody <laughs> else, and I influence him, yeah. right? Like, if I have a grudge, he wants to defend me. He wants to protect me. And all of a sudden, now I've influenced him to hold a grudge yeah. against somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it spreads. Whereas forgiveness, on the other hand, is like this ointment that goes over our hearts. It goes over the entire family. Forgiveness is like an immune system for the family. <laughs> okay, What does the immune system do? It fights deadly viruses, deadly cancers. Okay, And so... When we forgive in the family, it spreads to one another. Because if we don't, what we're going to see within the family is division. We're going to see gossip. We're going to see slander. We're going to see people taking sides. And after a while, it's just going to split the two sides. And, and, and then there's, a, there's just a, a division. You don't want to be with people in the same room. That makes sense. When you are resentful towards someone, you absolutely do not want to be in the same room with that person at all, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas forgiveness, you're not looking inward. You're not looking at your own hurt. Instead, you're looking outward at the other persons and seeking to bring a unity in that situation. So kind of with two minutes left, we'll move, but there's no such thing as parking a, a wound or parking an injustice and saying, okay, it's just parked. It's like... You know, in a meeting, you put it in the parking lot, you'll deal with it later, and nothing happens. If you don't deal with it, it spreads. It, it's, there's no such thing as a dormant wound. You think about it this way, John. If heaven is perfect, and we can take none of our sin to heaven, as Catholics, we believe that's what purgatory is. Yes. It's a purgation. It's God's love to say, let me just take it from you. If you can't do it now, I'm going to take it from you later. But you're right. You're right. There's no place in heaven for it. So that's why, uh, you know, Scripture says, if you come to receive the, the bread of life mm. and church, go reconcile first, because you're bring- St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you heap judgment upon yourself. So absolutely, we have to deal with it. Yeah. And that analogy you made to cancer really helps too, right? Mm-hmm. Because like you said, John, you can't park it. People do that sometimes. They try to ignore the symptoms and the signs that they're sick, that they've got cancer, but the cells are growing and multiplying and destroying inside even while they're ignoring it. And that same thing sounds like happens to us with unforgiveness. Yeah. Well, perhaps if we have time, I, I'll share with you kind of how my situ- my story of how something I parked yeah, that, that would be great. Yeah, that would be wonderful. So we will be back in just a few minutes after our break, and we'd love to uh, start back, and we can hear that story as well as um, more listeners. You are joining us here on The Family Room, and we're listening to Tom McCabe speak on forgiveness. We'll be right back inside The Family Room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station... 
The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160, The Quest. Welcome back to The Family Room. We're talking to Tom McCabe. We're talking forgiveness. And before we get deep back into that topic, Tom, it's a tradition with all of our Family Room guests that we ask them to share with us and our listeners their favorite Family Room memory. So that can be from the current McCabe family or the McCabe family in which you grew up. Uh, but it's all yours. Tell us, tell us a great memory. Wow, John! Like that's almost loaded because I could, I could <laughs> risk for days. <laughs> Show I, number I, three. <laughs> I have so many fun memories, but uh, one just popped in my mind because we were talking about our our grandbabies uh, in January of uh, yeah, er, early in 2020. Um, you know. Uh, my wife's birthday was coming up. And so, you know, the daughters-in-law, we have four daughters-in-law who just said, Rosemary, what do you want? And <laughs> she just said, I just want babies. <laughs> and, babies. <laughs> and they all laughed and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so Christmas came around 2020 and um, we're sitting there opening up presents with everybody. And the first ones gave us a present. We opened it up and they gave us an e extra Christmas stocking. And we're looking at it, and it said grandma and grandpa. Of course, 
lots of yells and screams and tears and we're all excited and you know the other siblings are like what that's just crazy <laughs> so then right after that so nobody knew what the others were going to share then another one walked over and gave us a present and it announced that they were pregnant okay <laughs> and we're like what and everybody they're looking at each other like no no and then the third one then did the exact same thing and um so you talk about a delightful uh, christmas wow. morning that nobody knew that the others were pregnant and uh, they thought they were going to have the big surprise. And uh, three of them announced that they were pregnant. And um, God bless their pregnancies and safety and all of that. And so then last summer, really within now 35, 40 days of one another, we had three of our, our first grandbabies. So it was just, it was glorious. It was fun. So I love being a granddad now. And um, I'm practicing my ukulele songs, all those wonderful <laughs> Puff the Magic Dragon songs. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> all that. So I look forward to... Uh, singing to him. That's awesome. So that show number four, the ukulele. Yeah, we yeah. got man. We can just keep going, Tom. <laughs> well, that, but the, you have to tie that to his Irish dancing Tom, as so well. He's, he's an Irish little, dancer. It's hard to get a reel on the on the on the on the radio though. Maybe we'll just hear a tapping. All right, let's bring us back here. All right, sorry, sorry, Craig. <laughs> okay, well, take control, Craig. So, 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 Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a little bit of I don't I don't believe you on number second question that I asked you earlier that uh, everybody has some resentment because I'm sure there's people out there that are saying, look at, I'm the most forgiving person. And until we had this discussion, frankly, I thought that was me. I was the first one to raise my hand and go, yeah, I, uh, I forgive everybody. I move on until I realize that when they walk in the room, I turn my back and walk out or I run away. So can you talk about that? Because I mean, truthfully, do we really all struggle with resentment? Well, you think about it. It doesn't mean that Jesus liked everybody. Mm. It just means that he loved everybody. Mm. There were probably people that he, I mean, you talk, you see how he, he treated the Pharisees with a righteous anger, right? Even the most loving, patient person we know is able to forgive because they practiced it, right? I mean, they, it, it, it is a skill. It's a virtue. So I'd say almost all of us have had issues with resentment. We let little things get under our skin, Craig, all the time, right? So I would say at some level, you know, we all uh, struggle with this. I, I'd say take an inventory of your life. For most of us, there's people that we don't like. As you said, when you're being honest, Craig, we avoid them. We're indifferent toward those people, right? And, and so what I regularly do, I and mean, I do this, it's part of my meditation. Can I envision myself spending eternity with this person? Mm. I don't even like seeing them at mass. <laughs> right? I mean, uh, for example, and there's just little things, you know, that neighbor, you know, drives by your house too fast and you don't like it, right? You just see it every time. Um, or, some, you know, somebody lets their dog poop in your yard four years ago. And, and then every time you, time you see him when you're walking, you have this distaste, right? Mm -hmm. This sort of in your mouth. There's mm -hmm. something in you, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, at church, the usher didn't see you because you got there late or something like that. Or you don't go to... 10 o'clock mass because Father Snooty is there, right? And you just, you, there's this little arrogant sense you feel about him. And so you have this little antipathy. But we don't even have to go that far. It's within our families. Your mom criticized you, said something 12 years ago. Yeah. And there's this, it just, it just irks you. And every time you're around him, you, you love your mom, but you have this little agitation, mm. this little animosity toward them. And we just don't realize it, that it's it slowly festers underneath us, Craig, if it's left unchecked, if we don't look at it. 
as John was saying, if we park it, it's going to come out. It can be little, it can be big, it doesn't matter. Mm. I'm going to give you an example of one of my stories. It was a a big event, but I thought uh, it had nothing. It was no big deal. I grew up uh, doing Irish step dancing. I loved it. I mean, it was, I was in a troupe. uh, We had schools all over. I mean, all over the United States and in Ireland. So I could travel to any of these places and dance with people. It was, it was a great way to grow up. I loved it. Once I was heading out, I was 14 or something, heading out to Connecticut for, we were driving out there for this big dance competition. And I was with my dance troupe and my sisters and all the girls were sleeping downstairs and the guys were sleeping upstairs. And uh, when you go to these places, you know, a lot, again, everybody's just crashing everywhere. So, um, and we were sleeping upstairs, and I was asleep in one of these rooms, and I'm, I'm going to keep it kind of discreet. I'm not going to go into all the gory details, but I was sleeping, totally exhausted, asleep on my side. And then, unbeknownst to me, in the middle of the night, um, this man climbed into the bed mm. next to me, put, pressed his body up against mine, and started molesting me. Mm. And, uh, of course, I just freaked out. I, did, I woke up. I didn't know what was happening to me, and I just grabbed these sheets and grabbed them around myself, and I, I just held onto the sheets, trying to figure out what was going on, and and I just felt this heavy breath over my neck, and I realized I had to move, but I couldn't. I was just frozen mm-hmm. and didn't know what to do. It felt like an eternity before I actually stood up. Uh, to, to get out of the room and I looked to see who this person was who was pretending to be asleep uh, right there. Cause as soon as I got up, he rolled over on his side the other way. And um, so I went downstairs, found the bedroom where my sisters were sleeping, crawled right in between them and then just spent the rest of the night right between the two of them. The next morning I went and told uh, some adults what had happened. And of course they were outraged, but interestingly, uh, they didn't do anything about it. Mm. Okay. Um, the next night, day, I, I went and competed at a dance competition. And when you're in Irish dancing or, or competition, uh, it's sort of like figure skating or gymnastics. You'll have anywhere from three to seven judges adjudicating you, mm. right, at the same time. So when you walk out, uh, there's a head adjudicator typically right in front of you. So when I went out to dance to do my first dance, the man that was sitting directly in front of me, the head adjudicator, uh, was the man mm. that had violated me the night before. Oh, my word. And he had this sort of little smirk on his face. Almost, I didn't see any remorse. And there I was just inside just screaming and yelling completely and totally. And I couldn't do anything, right? Um so it was as if he was looking at me as an object for use. And I felt that this must be what a woman feels like many times when they feel like they're being looked upon as an object for use. And that's what I felt. Well, fortunately, I mean, all my, all my friends and my buddies, everybody knew about this. And they're just like, man, that guy's a jerk. He's got some serious issues. You just got to you know, get over that. And I did for many, many years. I was like, yeah, that poor guy, dude, that guy's messed up. And I just blew it off like, like it was nothing. So that's what I did for many years. And then I certainly went and talked to a priest about it, and a priest told me I needed to forgive. Being a good Catholic boy, I, I forgave and all of that, and I thought I forgot. But I found myself over and over, whenever I was around certain men, I just got this feeling of 
of anger, of resentment, of rage, of feeling unprotected. And I eventually had to, went to a counselor and re- realized it was connected to that time when I had been molested as a young man, and I didn't, I didn't deal with it. For me, I mean, I truly thought afterwards, like, yeah, it was just, it was nothing, get over it. But I really had not forgiven him, and I had not really addressed what the real offense was. Because I always thought, you know, as a good Catholic, you just got to forgive everybody and just move on mm-hmm. without really dealing with it. Um, God bless. I'm, I'm not this uh, counselor. It's, I, I don't know if there's any other <laughs> therapy that does anything like this, but she had an insight. And I don't mean to scandalize anybody, not that it's scandalous, but she said, I'm going to take the person that offended you, Tom. We're going to put them in Nazareth with Jesus and Mary. They're protected because it's important for you. You need to protect that person. But there's a sin that needs to be dealt with. And I want you to take this bat, and I want you to hit that ottoman right there. I want you to, what do you want to do with that sin? And I said, this is ridiculous. I was a grown man. I had three children at the time. 30 minutes later, my hands were bleeding. Mm. Mm. I had hit this ottoman so hard, but I could, I had to make sure the person was protected, but I dealt with the sin, and I, I called the spade a spade and accused the man of the sin that he did so that I could move on. Uh, it's the, the story is much more exhaustive than that, but it gives you an idea. If we don't deal with it, John, yeah. it comes back, man. We are, we are body, soul, spirits. It's going to manifest itself in some way. It's going to manifest itself out, which we'll talk about hopefully in just a minute. Well, what's interesting is um, we're bringing up this topic at a time in our world where if you and I had a relationship, Tom, and I kept going back to something you did 20 years ago to me and kept trying to justify my actions today, I, you know, I... I burn down your house because of something you did to me 25 years ago. Or if we do that in marriage, if we keep going back to our spouses and saying, hey, by the way, do you remember, instead of healing, and everything we deal with today is all about, let's go back and point to the injustice that happened so long ago. And I think it's because we've taken Christ out of all these relationships in a lot of ways, maybe not our own family, but other ones. And it just seems like God is allowing all these things in our world today. The manifestation you were talking about, Tom, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, or whatever, because God is trying to introduce his son back into all of our lives to heal those hurts and bring that forgiveness again. Because that's the only thing that's going to change our marriages from bad to good, from good to better, and frankly, bring physical healing, you know, where a lot of people are suffering. You know, we, we really are justified in anger. Like, people think, you know, if if I forgive, and that's what I did not realize, that I can be justified. So when it says forgive 70 70 times, seven times, yes, but I had to state the offense. I had to make sure that I I knew what the offense was, so I knew what I was letting go of. Mm -hmm. And um, that was, I think, for me, a very important part of the process, and learning the difference between righteous anger versus unrighteous anger. I mean, the church makes a distinction. Righteous anger is a is an impassioned desire to make things right. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. It's an impassioned desire. Unrighteous anger is an impassioned desire for resentment, to see this person crash and burn, right? Uh, and, and that, if we, if we hold on to that, not only 
might that other person crash and burn? They may not, but we certainly will because we're the ones that are holding on to it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A snake bites us. And all of a sudden, instead of going to deal with the venomous poison, we go and chase after the snake. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so that example brings us exact, right to that point that I think is so important for all of us to understand is that there are really um, alarming physiological effects of resentment. You know, we're running after the snake, but in the meantime, there's stuff going on with us physiologically. Can you speak on some of that? Oh, Mari, yes. It's common sense once you start thinking about it, but we never put these two together. Resentment and forgiveness affect us all mm-hmm. on a multitude of levels. And I, I'd say this, listen, we are beautifully complex persons, Mari. Each of us having a unique body, a unique mind, a unique spirit. So what happens to us physiologically, right, if we don't forgive? Well, let's talk about our bodies for a minute. The body has an amazing capacity to regulate us, right? You look at the endocrine system. I mean, it's this complex network of glands and organs that uses hormones within us to control our body's metabolism, our stress response, our mood, the immune system. It's this amazing complex network of cells and proteins that defend our body, right? Mm -hmm. You can talk about the nervous system. We have all of these systems, whether it's the circulatory, digestive systems, okay, which is amazing that they all work together. When the body experiences internal and external forces that attack us, right, well, the body has this regulated capacity to protect itself. So when one system of the body is fighting, let's say, a disease, well, what do the other systems do? Right? They work in tandem, right, to, to defend the body, or they compensate in some way. So when we are fostering resentment, What's happening is one system in the body is activated, and then other systems uh, have to compensate in some way. So here's what happens. Emotionally speaking, when you and I harbor resentment, we hold a grudge. We feel this pain because we believe that either we've been wronged in some way or someone else we've wronged, and our body responds to this pent-up resentment, this pent-up anger. Mm -hmm. So we get mad. And what, how does the body interpret this? Mari, it interprets it as stress. Mm-hmm. Now, if that anger, stress, is left unchecked, it can lead to a whole host of reactions in our body, right? Like emotional outbursts, uh, mood swings, sadness, depression, uh, disillusionment, fear. We get all that, okay? But what's interesting is how the rest of the body compensates. So when we feel we've been wronged, Um, this emotional pain, okay, Um, here's what happens. Our body interprets it as stress. So what happens in our minds, the amygdala, okay, which is the emotional center of the Mm -hmm. brain, generates this fight or flight response. You've Mm -hmm. probably heard of the flight or fight response, right? Well, when these two almond-shaped clusters of the amygdala are activated under stress, certain biochemical processes are actually initiated. Okay, so the brain releases these neurotransmitters, which activate the nervous system called the sympathetic nervous Mm -hmm. system. Mm -hmm. Okay, but when the sympathetic nervous system is activated, the body is on full alert. There's little neurotransmitters are sent down to the adrenal glands that sit above our kidneys. Mm -hmm. And then they release this amazing hormone called epinephrine or adrenaline. 
right? Yeah. And what happens when you and I, you know, all of a sudden, you know what happens. You're driving down the road. Somebody cuts in front of you. You slam on the brakes, and all of a sudden, you feel that adrenaline go through your entire body, right? <clears throat> well, this is what happens when we don't forgive. What happens when adrenaline is released in the body? Our eyesight narrows. Our attention is heightened. Our heart rate increases. Breathing gets faster. You get that super strength. Well, even when you are not forgiving somebody, you are going into one of these states, yep. okay? But your body reacts to it. The rest of the body has to compensate. The digestive system has to slow down. Your pupils dilate. Your vision narrows. Your hearing becomes more sensitive, okay? So now you're on this survival mode, and this is really what's happening. You know, your sensitivity to pain goes down. All of this happens. Now, conversely, when you start thinking of forgiveness imagery, when you start forgiving, the parasympathetic nervous system kicks in. Okay? And you've heard, if you've heard of the fight and flight, uh, you may have heard of the tend and befriend um, you know, part of us. And that's the parasympathetic nervous system uh, that releases hormones such as chemicals such as oxytocin, which is the love hormone, or serotonin, which is the bonding hormone. Mm -hmm. So... Totally different hormones and chemicals are being released in the body with each one of these. That's amazing. So let's take a moment. Let's go back and understand how, how these ill effects of resentment work on the body. So when we can't forgive somebody, okay, that means we're in this chronic state of stress. Mm -hmm. Now, after adrenaline is released in the body, there's another chemical that's released in the body. And it's cortisol. Mm -hmm. But first, let's say we have constant adrenaline that's being released over time in the body. What, what, what are the ex excessive, uh, what happens in the body due to excessive adrenaline? Excessive tiredness, you can't fall asleep, depression, food craving, low blood sugar swings, mm -hmm. a reduction in calcium to the body. Mm -hmm. You get high after blood pressure the, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's often after that comes after when the cortisol is yeah. released in the body. Once the adrenaline is done, because the, the adrenaline is, is, is a, also a neurotransmitter. After that's done, then cortisol mm -hmm. is released throughout the body. And when cortisol, because it's basically a survival mechanism. And when cortisol, it's like this constant drip mm -hmm. in the body mm -hmm. every time you can't forgive. And remember, with when you fall into this trap with adrenaline, your your memory is heightened. It's as mm -hmm. if your body is trained to rethink and rethink and rethink this. So you're actually burning this bad memory into your mind over and over again. Uh, so your memory is, is heightened when adrenaline and cortisol is released in the body. With cortisol, blood sugar levels increase, which causes weight gain. Mm -hmm. The digestive system slows down, which can cause constipation, other problems. The heart rate increases. It's its own problems, right? The immune system is suppressed, making it more difficult for the body to fight illness and disease. Mm -hmm. Blood pressure increases. Fat deposits accumulate. Libido is often reduced. And this isn't just Tom McCabe making it up. There are amazing studies that are done with all of this. Now, I, I, when you get into this like I do, you start studying um, many medical studies that connect uh, unforgiveness to resentment. And I'm just going to mention a couple of them really, really fast for us. Um, 
there are studies that are showing that unforgiveness can be a, gre- a breeding ground for, for, for cancer. It doesn't mean that unforgiveness brings on cancer, but uh, what they're saying is that when a person is in a cycle of unforgiveness, when high levels of stress hormones are continually released in the body, the body is actually aiding cancer cells. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting study in April, uh, the April issue, or 20, I think it was 2010 or something, uh, the Journal of Clinical Investigation. There were a team of researchers that were um, studying, you know, how this might affect um, cancer. Well, they reported that when normal cells become detached from tissue, that's in our bodies, they typically die off quickly. That's what happens. But when cancer cells detach, uh, they are protected from cell death in the presence of FAK. And what that stands for is focal adhesion kinase. Now, I'm not a cancer doctor, but FAK is a protein in humans that acts as an adhesive, interestingly enough, for cells to attach to each other. So adrenaline activates this FAK. So with high prolonged levels of this in the body, FAK allows healthy cells to die. Mm. Crazy. And I've probably only got a couple more minutes. There's an interesting study from uh, the Florida State University that's linking heart disease with unforgiveness. Uh, And they did a lot of studies, but they're basically saying when they had people focus on unforgiveness imagery, heart rate increases, um, blood pressure increases, when they focus on forgiveness imagery, there's uh, a lower heart rate and mean arterial pressure responses than grudge-holding imagery. Uh, These are just a couple of studies, but more and more studies are showing how if we can't forgive, we're in a chronic state of stress, and our body is needing to compensate in some way. There's actually an old Russian proverb that speaks to that as well. It says, the mind can hold a conversation with the body that results in death. And you just described it beautifully for us. So we've got about a minute left for our time on the show. And you've set the stage beautifully and whet the appetite, I know, of many of our listeners to listen to our next show where you're going to get into some of the how do we get past this? What do we do about this? Because you've got some wonderful tools um, to set the stage and offer some hope. Would you be willing to say a final prayer for our listeners as we um, as we close out our time talking about forgiveness with you here today, Tom? Oh, I'd be honored, Mari. Thanks. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you not only are the Lord and giver of life, but you give life by us giving our lives to you. You want all of who we are, not just the good, but you want the bad. You want those resentments that we are holding on because you want to free us. Ultimately, that is your desire. Free us to love, not only on this earth, but also in the life to come. And we need to give you all of that resentment. We entrust it to you, and we ask you to do a marvelous work in us, if only we trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tom, really appreciate your time, as always, and we look forward to getting together with you again soon. Right. It's great to be here. Thank you, Tom, and thank you, our listeners who are tuning in. Please join us again here next week in The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.